to Habakkuk. How about that? Habakkuk. I know you've been in your devotions in Habakkuk this morning. Uh, so let's turn over to the book of Habakkuk. It's a fun book to start with, isn't it? Good baby name for 2016, if anybody's looking. I guarantee you nobody else at school will have that name. So you'll be unique. So we're going to start in Habakkuk 2, verse 2, familiar verse. We've got a special message to preach today, if that's all right with you. Habakkuk 2, in verse 2, it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Can I get amen? Amen. Let's look at Proverbs. Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, and we're going to read in verse 18. Can I preach it today like I feel it? I'm going to go ahead and preach it like I feel it. (laughs) Proverbs 29. In verse 18. Now the King James says where there is no vision, but in the New King James says where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. But notice it says where there is no vision, the King James says the people perish, or the New King James says the people will cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. So today we're going to be talking about a vision worth believing in. A vision worth believing in. That's the title of my message today. That's what we want to talk about. This is the State of the Church Address, 2016. So, uh, we're going to be talking today about a vision worth believing in. Now, before we go any further today, um, I feel like I need to put a lot of disclaimers on this message before we get uh, too much further into this. But realize... We're going to be talking about vision. We're going to be talking about the future of our church. Uh, This is not something that um, we just thought of last week. This is not a message that came out of, oh, we just went to Love is Red, so I need to preach about vision. No, this has been going on in my heart for years and years before it ever came out of my mouth about uh, studying churches that are reaching people, studying churches and, and listening to leaders who are having an impact all over the world and in the body of Christ. And so this is not something that is um, uh, just random or just suddenly we just had an idea. Oh, yeah, let's preach about vision. That would be good for Sunday morning. No, this has been going on for years and years and years. And as you know, our church is in a time of transition. It's in a time of change uh, for the future. And our church is really at a crossroads uh, for the future of it. And the things I'm going to share today are not things... Like I said, I haven't just thought of just randomly or just recently, but these are things that have been going on for years and years and years. Now, some of you know this, um, but in September, uh, we started meeting with a lot of the leadership of this church to start having these kind of talks. Uh, So this is something that's been going on since last year in September. A lot of the leaders... uh, of departments, the staff, other people involved, we started meeting, talking about vision, talking about the future of this church back in September. 
So we've been having uh, meetings, core leadership meetings, since last September. I've been talking about things I'm going to talk about today, since September. Some of you haven't heard what I'm about to say, so brace yourself. Um, (laughs) I think some of you guys could assume some of these things I'm about to say. Um, But we've been discussing this since September because we wanted to get the vision into people about the future and about change and transition and the, uh, the urgency of this, because our church, like I said, is at a crossroads here uh, where we're going for the future. So uh, we're going to say some things today about change and transition. Now, what I want to say also is this, and I said this the first time I ever talked to the core me- leadership meeting, is when we talk about change and transition, that doesn't take away from what happened the past 30 years. When we talk about things need to change or things need to happen and uh, we need to make decisions for our future, that does not discredit what has went on for the past 30 years. So just so you hear my heart today, because we're not trying to say what happened the past 30 years is bad and now we're young and we know what's going on and the next 30 years has got to be great. That's not what we're saying. So don't hear that. What has happened the past 30 years is we have built a solid foundation that we can build on now for the next 30 and so the past 30 years, what has happened is God didn't call Dad to build a mega church, But he called uh, Dad to build people that have such a solid foundation that you could build a strong church on. And that's what happened the past 30 years. He has built families that are strong families. He has built people that are strong people that they could be the foundation on which you can build something great upon. So that's what's happened the past 30 years. And Dad said it publicly. It wasn't his call to have a, a mega church or a big church. It was his call to do what he's been called to do, and he walked as a prophet also. So, today we're going to be talking about vision and the future. So, when we talk about vision, vision is your preferred future or your desired future. It's where you want to go in life. Now, this could be personally or for a business or for a church, but vision is your preferred future. You see where you want to go. You desire your future. That's the vision you have for your life. Now, we realize that vision is different than sight. Now, I'm going to start preaching. You ready for this? Vision is different than sight because sight is what you see with your natural eyes, but vision is what you see with your heart. And it's different. And there's a lot of people that have sight on this planet but have no vision for their life. And the Word of God says, without a vision, you perish. Not just a church, not just a business, but an individual. If you have no vision for your life, your life is perishing. It's going nowhere because without a vision, the people perish. Same thing in the church world. Without a vision, people perish. Now let's look back over again at Habakkuk 2 in verse 2. Now, today's going to be a different message, but you're okay with that, right? Habakkuk 2 and verse 2, it says, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, but it will surely come to pass, it will not tarry. So we see that... God says, if you have a vision, you need to write it down. You need to vocalize it. You need to tell people about it. It's not good enough that it's just in your mind. You're thinking happy thoughts towards yourself. No, you need to write the vision and make it plain. You need to make it simple. 
what the vision is for your life and for the church. And so we're going to be talking about the vision of this church for the future. Now, in Proverbs 29, 18, and we already read it earlier, it says, without a vision, the people perish. Or without a vision, the people cast off restraint. Meaning, if you have no vision for your life, then you'll do whatever you want to do. You know the reason people act crazy in the world and do whatever they want to do? It's not because they're bad people and they're just trying to do the wrong thing. They have no vision. So thus, they'll do whatever they want to do because they have no vision for their life. If you don't feel like your life is going anywhere, then you're going to just want to do whatever you want to do because there's no point. And a lot of people live that way. Where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. And people perish. Same way in the church world. When people don't have a vision on where we're going, the church will perish. People will cast off restraint and do whatever they want to do because they don't see the future. Now, with our church, we've had a vision and, and people have known about the vision. But let's just be honest, it's gotten stagnant. It's gotten dry. People have forgot the reason they're here. And like the Word of God says, without a vision, you perish. Without a vision, people cast off for shape. Without a vision, the giving goes down. Without a vision, people don't want to be involved in ministry helps. It's like pulling teeth. Never experienced that before. We have. Without a vision, people don't want to be involved. They don't want to sacrifice. They don't want to do extra. They don't want to do more. Why? Because they don't see the vision. Not because they're necessarily against something. They just don't see the big picture. And so today we want to talk about the big picture, because you need to see the big picture. And so when we talk about vision today, we want to talk about the future of this house. Now let's talk about this for a second. Let's go to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. I have enough messages since last September, but I'm going to try to squeeze it in one message. So pray for me here. 1 Kings 17, 1 Kings 17 and verse 2, it's talking about Elijah, who was a prophet of God. And in 1 Kings 17 and verse 2, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward, and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into Jordan. And ravens brought to him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from that brook. But notice verse 7, very interesting verse. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And notice in verse 8 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go. So we see here that God is a God of seasons. If you've been alive more than 20 years on this planet, you realize that God works in seasons. Your relationship with God is not the same it was 20, 30 years ago. He speaks to you differently. Different scriptures mean something different to you today than they did 20 years ago. Worship music is different than it was 20, 30 years ago, and different songs affect you differently today than it did then. Why? Because God is a seasonal God. 
And God works in seasons. And what he's saying here is that for all of us, not just Elijah, but all of us in here, that God will tell you to do something a specific way for a season. But then after a while, it will dry up if you don't change. Because God wants you to do something else. And notice he said, the brook dried up, and then the water of the Lord came to him and said, Go. So it wasn't good enough that he stayed there the rest of his life. Notice, if Elijah would have stayed by the brook, he would have died. Because he didn't move with the flow of God. He didn't move in the plan of God. He wasn't obedient to the plan of God. Yes, for a season, that's where he should be. But eventually, that season dried up, and he had to move on. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? It's the same thing for our church right now. And notice what I'm saying. We're not talking about the message. We're talking about the methods. Because the message never dries up. But the methods do. And if we don't change, then we'll die. You know, if you don't change in your personal life, you'll die. Maybe not physically in the graveyard, but your life will die. Your vision will die, your dreams will die, your health will die, your, your mental ability will die if you refuse to change. It's the same way for a church, and like I said, we're at the crossroads here, we're at the Brook Cherith, it's dried up, and God wants to know, are we willing to move? Are we willing to do something different? Because God is telling us to move. And we could be honest here, there's a lot of things in this church, not the message, the methods that have dried up. And if we don't change, we'll die. You realize that there is a lot of churches that are in our similar position right now all across the planet. There's a lot of churches that at one time in the 80s and 90s had a thriving church, growing church, but now, since they refuse to change, they're drying up. Those churches are dying because they're trying to use a model that came from the 70s and 80s, and we live in 2016. It's funny, we do that when it's only the 70s and 80s, but if somebody said, well, let's do church the way we did it 100 years ago, nobody would go for that. But 20, 30 years ago, that's okay. 100 years ago, there was no electricity, for the most part, going around. We would be a candle lit service there would be no sound system we wouldn't be dressed this way we'd be dressed in different clothes it would be a completely different atmosphere and environment than it is today we changed since then but notice what happens people get in trouble when they put the message and the methods on the same level which they're not the message is the word of God but the methods are different than the Word of God. A lot of people hold on to the methods like they're Scripture, and they're not. A lot of people hold to the methods just in the same way the religious people of Jesus' day did, like it was the Word of God. And he even told the religious people of that day, you have made your traditions like the Word of God, and you made the Word of God of no effect because you'd rather keep your traditions or your methods more than the Word of God. Are you still hearing me this morning? I told you it's going to be different. I just got to say what I got to say. So, 
with all of us in here, with our personal life, with this church, with your future, this pertains to everything, not just this house, but your personal life. If you don't change, you'll die. If you don't transition your life, you'll die. We're at a crossroads here where we have a choice to make whether we want to change or die. You say, well, that's a little drastic. It is drastic. And it is urgent. Because churches start to die when they put the methods above the message. You know, we see that God moves in seasons. He hasn't always done the same thing the same way. You know why God doesn't do the same thing the same way every time? It's because you'll start trusting that way more than God. <laughs> you know, a lot of times in the Gospels, Jesus never prayed for the, the, the different people the same way. It was always different. Because he didn't want them to trust a certain way. He wanted them to trust him. Same way with transition and change. He doesn't want us to get stuck in a method that is something that used to work, but it doesn't work now. And now we're just trying to use the method, but we're not actually listening for the voice of God. And so we see this in moves of God. In the, 50s, in the 40s and the 50s, there was a move of healing around the world, a healing move. And that was for a season. Not that God still doesn't heal. He does still heal. But it was for a season. Then we saw that there was a charismatic or Pentecostal movement across the planet where people from different denominations got spirit-filled. That was a season of time. Now notice, people still are getting spirit-filled today, but there was a season of time where that was where God was moving. And then we know, because a lot of us in this church came out of the Word of Faith movement which was a teaching movement because a lot of people didn't have much teaching on the Word of God. They got healed, they were charismatic, but they didn't know much about the Bible. So there was a move in the teaching of the Word of God called the Word of Faith movement. Now, we're not in the Word of Faith movement anymore. We still believe that way, we still believe those things, but it's a different season. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And to be honest here, we realize that our church is based off a model from the Word of Faith movement because it was a lot of people that weren't noticed already saved coming into churches to hear the Word of God so they can mature, not necessarily reaching people that weren't saved. But notice that was for a season. And after a while, you've got to say, how mature do I have to get for us to reach new people? It got, it got quieter on that part. You're going to be so mature, your eyes are budging budging out and just going nuts. Your maturity is through the roof, but there's nobody else there but you. So who really cares at the end of the day? So we see that that was a season. Not that we still don't preach that message, but it's a different season. And to be honest, a lot of churches that are like ours, for the most part, if they haven't changed, they're drying up right now. And it's not because what they're preaching, it's because they refuse to change their methods. You guys still follow me this morning? So God wants to do something new in our lives in this church, but we have to be willing to change. We have to be open to change. And notice, it can't just be, I want to change. It has to be all of us in here to change the culture of this church. And let me just say this also. I just want to thank everybody in here because since the beginning of the year, I've had nothing but encouragement from everybody here. 
I felt no pushback. I felt uh, nobody was against what was going on. I felt nothing but encouragement, and we're for you, and we want to change. So I'm not saying you don't want to, but I want to share some things I've shared with some of our core leadership meeting so everybody's in the same flow today. And so the move of God changes. Dr. Summerall said it himself when he was in his 80s. He was in all those different moves of God. And he said, God, whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of it. I'll change my denomination if that's what it takes. I'll change my church if that's what it takes. Whatever God is doing, I want to be a part of it. And I want to change. And notice God can use people like that. Not people that say, well, I'm going to be here the rest of my life doing the same thing. That's not what God's called us to do. God has seasons, and we need to move with the Spirit of God. That's how people like a Dr. Summer or Brother Hagen, these generals in the faith, that's how they stayed fresh and full of life into their 80s because they decided, I'm going to move with what God is doing. If God's moving with the Baptists, I'm going to be a Baptist. If God's moving with the Catholics, I'm going to be a Catholic. If God's moving with the Pentecostals, I'm going to be a Pentecostal. I don't care what the church name is. I just want to be in the move of God wherever it's at. And to be honest today, you've got to realize just because we are who we are as a church doesn't automatically mean we'll be a part of the move of God. If we choose not to be a part of it, another church in this community could raise up and take what belongs to us. So we need to move with the Spirit of God. Now we know this, a lot of you that have been here any time, that there's been many, many prophecies spoken over this church. And we handed this out before, and I'm going to read some of this later, but there's been many, many prophecies spoken over this place about its future. Now, many of those words have come to pass, but then there's a lot that haven't come to pass yet. And the ones that haven't come to pass are pretty big words. They talk about things here, and this is not from just some random person. These are by seasoned men and women of God who know what they're talking about. And some of the things they talk about in these prophecies are that this church would be a church that changes a city and affects a region and influences this entire region. Now, that's a big deal. Now, right now, we're influencing about half of Cameron Miller and Mel Smith Road. (laughs) Tops. And barely even that. Let's just be honest. So we see the vision... It's huge, and we're so far away. We feel like that, just our own strength, away from that. Well, hopefully today we'll have some practical steps to get to where we're going here. Because God is true. His word is true. What he says by his prophets are true, but they're not automatic. We have a part to play in it. The thing is that that I've noticed about this, yes, we can pray about it, and we need to pray about it, and we're going to talk more about that towards the end, about praying the prophecies that have been spoken over this place. But more than that, we need to change to be that kind of church. Right now, we're not a city-changing, region-changing church in the way we operate as a church. So thus, we have to actually change, not just pray, but actually change to be that kind of church. And that's what we're focusing on today. I told you it's going to be a little different than Sunday morning. So God wants to move. God wants to do something big in this place, in this house. 
He's spoken about it for many years. You know that we've said this before, and actually recently we talked about this. There is a lot of wonderful churches in this region. We're for them. We're not against them. They're not just on our team. They're on our family. But I will say this. What we bring to this region is unique from other churches. And if we don't feel that way, then we should go join another church that we feel that way about. But I know that for a fact, this church is unique to this region. It is unique in what we believe. It is unique in the history behind this place. You know that for a long, long time, people in this community know, and they tell other people, even if they don't go to this church, if you want to be healed, you need to go to Church on the Rock. That's unique. So many pastors of other churches have said before, if you need to get delivered, I know where you can go. You need to go to Church on the Rock. Like they couldn't pray for them themselves. But that's unique. People in this community have said, you know, if you want to hear somebody teach on faith and confession, you need to go to Church on the Rock. It's unique. We have something unique here. Not that we're better than other churches. We're just different. And what God has called us to do in this region is unique and different than other churches. So we need to realize that in the future, just so you know, this place will still be known for healing. This place will still be known for miracles. This place will still be known for deliverance. That's who we are. We can't change who we are. That's who we are, and that's what people need. Now, our hope and prayer is, you know, every church in this community could say that, but apparently that's not what's being said. You just need to go to church on the rock. So we're going to be known for healing. We're going to be known for deliverance still. We're going to be known on preaching the message of faith. We're going to be known in preaching the message of the goodness of God. We're going to be known in preaching the message of who you are in Christ now. Our church is going to be known for preaching the spirit-filled life. That's who we are. That's what makes us different. That's why you are here today, because for some reason you like us for some strange reason. Because it's different than just church as usual. Because we, leave, we live and we believe in the Spirit-filled life, in the power of God. And we believe in those things, and we're going to practice those things. Because that's who we are, and that's what makes us unique, and that's what makes us different. And you know what? Most people are going to be drawn to that. Most people, deep down, whatever background they're from, they want that. They want to know that God's real. They want to know that the power of God's real. And that's going to be something that we are going to be in the future. Are you hearing me today? We're going to be known for those things. Notice I didn't say known for weirdness. Hello, somebody. So any of you weird people, this would be the time to go. <laughs> but we are going to be known for the Spirit of God moving. Which if you think about it, the Spirit of God is not going to make you weird. He is going to make you different, but not weird. You were already weird before you got here. <laughs> Hello, somebody. The Spirit of God doesn't make you out of control. He actually brings things into control. 
in divine order when he comes. So that's some of the things we're going to be known for. Like I said, we're not against any other church. We just realize we have a unique part to play, not just in the city, but in this region. And we need to play that part. We are four other churches. We are four other ministries. But we know what we're called to do. And you know what? That's not cocky. That's not arrogant. If we didn't feel that way, we should go somewhere else that we did feel that way. So we're going to be known for that. Let's look over at Matthew 9 and verse 12. You still here this morning? I told you it's a little different. I'm just talking to you out of my heart today. I got to say it how I feel it this morning. Matthew 9 in verse 12. Matthew 9 in verse 12, it says, When Jesus heard that, He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Verse 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now we're going to read this in a moment in the message, and it really brings it out what we're talking about today. But the focus of this church is going to change. Everybody's okay. Brace yourself. For the past 30 years, like I said, it has to do with coming out of that word of faith background, mature the believer. So it automatically eventually becomes an inside focused church. It's about me, it's about my maturity, it's about being spiritual. Okay, that was the season. But our focus as a church is changing. And I've said this to the core meeting many times before, but I want to say it to all of you. Just so you know, the focus of this church is changing to not cater to insiders, but for outsiders. The focus of this church is not for believers, it's for unbelievers. The focus of this church is for unchurched people and de-churched people, which are people that came to church but had a bad experience so they haven't come back in a while. We're going to be a church for outsiders. We're going to be a church for unchurched people. We're going to be a church for de-churched people. We're going to be a church for prodigals. We're going to be a church for people that are far from God. That's going to be our focus as a church. Now, where do you fit in that? Well, you're going to heaven, so you have it taken care of. Let me just say that up front. If you don't get anything else from God, you've already got way more than you already deserve right now. But you realize the reason that there's been so much, let me say dryness, or sometimes it's just felt stagnant in our Christian life of those of us in here is because it's bound to happen when you're inside focused. Because God has not called us to be inside-focused. He's called to be outside-focused. And the Great Commission, the number one thing Jesus said was go into all the world, not go to church and just get mature. Now, there's a time and a place for that. But our number one call is to go outside 
to the unbeliever, to the de-church, to the prodigal, to the people who don't know God, and that is the real Christian life, not let me see how mature and spiritual I can get and do nothing with it. Did I say that on a Sunday morning? Yeah, I did. <clears throat> like I mentioned at the beginning of this message, there's a reason so, so many of you are foundation and mature people. It's so when people like that come in, this church will have so much stability, it can handle unchurched people, unbelievers, because it has so many spiritually strong people in this house to disciple those people. You guys get what I'm saying this morning? And so a lot of times churches, not just this church, but churches all over the world are going through this right now because they've been inside focus for so many years. And we all know that is the natural tendency for every church on the planet. After it's established and there's a move of God, there's the people that are there. And eventually, if somebody's not pushing forward with a vision, with a future, it's just maintained for the rest of your life. It's just, let's survive the rest of our life as a church. Are you guys in agreement today? And so it's not that somebody did something bad. It's, it's natural for all of us in our personal lives after a while. It's survive, get by, go to work. Isn't it? We don't mean to go there. It just naturally happens if we don't do something intentional about changing it. Not just in the church world, but in your personal life. You have to have a vision and a future if you're going to go anywhere. Or it's just going to be survive, survive, maintain, average, mediocre, don't really like my job, don't really like my life, don't really like my family. I'm just surviving, surviving. That is not what God has called us to be on this earth. As individuals, as families, or as a church body, he has not called us to, us to survive. He's called us to thrive. He's called us to be victorious. He's called us to be overcomers. He's called us to be the salt and light in this world affecting people. Not just survive, maintain. You here today. <laughs> so we're going to focus on the outsider, the unbeliever, the de-churched, the lost, the broken. You know that Believers can come, become like the Dead Sea. The reason the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea is this. Water is going in, but no water is going out. Word is going in all the time, but nothing's going out. Going in, but nothing's coming out. And we know that just with the pond that gets stagnant and nasty and dirty, what's happening? There's water going in, but there's no fresh water, nothing going out of it. It's not moving, it's not going, and it can become deadly and dry, and it can kill things when it's like that. And a lot of believers can become like that, Dead Sea believers. They're receiving, they're receiving, they're receiving, they're receiving, which is wonderful. You need to because if you haven't received, you can't give to anybody else. But it doesn't stop with you. We receive so we can give. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. You're blessed to be a blessing. God has healed you 
Why? So you can help heal others. God has delivered you so you can deliver others. God has blessed you financially so you can help others financially. God has put the word of God in you so you can help somebody that doesn't have the word of God. God blesses you for a reason, and it's bigger than you, and it's bigger than me. And we will die if we don't give what we have received. Why has Christianity become so boring, especially in the United States of America? It's because we're in receive mode, not giving mode. And we have become consumers, not producers. And that's the culture we live in, so we're used to it. We live in America. We consume, we consume, we consume, but give? Why? Help somebody else? Why? And it happens in the church world. Am I talking too honest on a Sunday morning? And you hear what I'm saying? Trying to stir you up on what God has called you to do. What God has called us to do. That's going to be our focus because I don't want any of us in here to become dead sea believers. I never want to get dry and stagnant and just your typical American dream Christian who's consuming, 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 but never giving out. That's where all the frustration is. Can we be honest in here? Let me tell you, all your frustration right now is because of that. When you just focus on you and your problems and your disease, are you hearing me? And your family and your church and your issues, you're going to be a miserable person the rest of your life. Because the way of the kingdom is others. And guess what? You start helping others, God's going to help you. You start helping heal others, God's going to heal you. You start helping deliver others, guess what? Deliverance is going to come to your house. You start giving to others, watch your finances improve. Because the way of the kingdom is giving. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Freely we have received, we need to freely give to everybody else. You guys still here today? I can't tell if you're liking this or not. <laughs> I'm talking about a vision worth believing in. Like I said, we're at a crossroads, and so, yeah, there might be a little intensity about this, but because it's urgent. It's serious. And change has to happen. So our focus is outsiders, not insiders. It is, here's a novel idea, it is the Word of God. The Great Commission. The main thing he said was go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the number one command. A lot of times we skip over that and go to the other stuff. Let's talk about faith life. Let's talk about spirit-filled life. Let's talk about maturity. Let's talk about gifts of the spirit. He said go into all the world. That's the number one thing he's called us to do. We'll get to the other stuff. But the number one thing God has called his church to do is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to grow his church. The number one focus for this church is salvations and growth. He said, write the vision, make it plain. There it is, right there. That's all I got. We'll get to the other stuff eventually. The number one Focus of this church and vision for this church is salvations and growth. And when I say salvations and growth, 
Yes, I'm talking about new people getting saved. I'm talking about the church growing. I'm talking about our finances growing. But I'm even talking about all of you in here, some of you ha that have been here a while, that things in your life would start growing like they've never grown before. Things in your life would start growing. Your family would start growing. Your, your mind would start growing. Things in your life that had been dormant for a season will start growing again. So I'm not just talking about salvations. I'm talking about people that are already saved in here, new things growing in your life. So our number one focus and vision for this house is growth and salvations. Matthew 9 and verse 12. Now, let me read this in the message because Jesus just breaks it down so clearly. Matthew 9 in verse 12 and 13. This is what Jesus said in the message. Listen to this. Jesus overhearing them shot back. It's pretty blunt what he says. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. Notice what he says. This is the message. He says, I'm after mercy, not religion. Listen to this next part. He says, I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Don't throw anything at me right now. Jesus said that in the message, but he still said that. Let me read that one more time. I'm after mercy. Notice, not religion. I'm here to invite Jesus. This is Jesus. Don't argue with Jesus. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. And you know what? I'm going to say I'm going to go with Jesus on this one. So, that's the focus of our church. Not that I'm against all of you pillars of the church. I just told you why we need you here. You're very important. But our focus is just like Jesus said, we're here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. Those days are over. That sounds pretty fun to me. I don't know. I'm an insider. I don't like that. Okay. <laughs> Trust me, when these things happen and you see people's lives change, it'll be worth it. You might not see it today, but eventually you'll come back and thank me for this. So let's talk about a few more things, can we, before we close here? It's only 1124. You're okay. Let's turn over to Acts 6. So, I'm going to give you in a moment here three things that you can do to help build this kind of church. Now, this has been mentioned before, even in the core meetings and some of these prayer meetings we've had, that our church is so set up to win, it's not even funny. Did you guys know that? We have land. We have nice facilities. We have an awesome praise and worship. We have classrooms. We have people. We have finances to do what we're called to do. We are literally set up to win in every way. 
So if we blow this, we can only look at ourselves because God has set us up in every way possible to win and to be the kind of church that we're talking about, a region-changing church. He set us up. So the only thing that could stop it is if we refuse to change. That's the only thing. He has literally set us up in every possible way to be this kind of church. We're not starting from scratch. We're not starting with trying to rent a facility. We're not starting with no classrooms, no money, no people. We have everything set in place to do what God has called us to do. Here's another thing I want to share about you because we're talking about vision, a vision worth believing in in the future. My parents have always emphasized children's and youth ministry. And they've always been very important to this house, and they're going to continue to be very important. And just so you know, we've been talking. We're going to put more money into the children's ministry, even though it's already great, to make it better. The youth ministry, to make it better. And that's going to continue to be a priority, and we're going to do more than we've ever done before because how many know that is important for the future generations? Because they're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. And your children and your grandchildren are important for the future. And reaching young people is important to this house. And we want our children's and youth ministries to be known for fun, to be known for the power of God, to be known for if your kids and your youth don't talk about anything else that happened this week, they talk about, man, I want to be at Corey. I want to be at Kids on the Rock. I want to be in the house of God because they have so much fun and they experience God. It's going to be that way. It's already been that way, but we're going to do more in the future, especially with those departments. Now, before we talk about these three things that you can do to help, a lot of you are already doing these things, but let me challenge you today. Some of you in here, I realize because there's been sometimes a lack of vision and a lack of moving forward, a lot of you have disengaged from this church. You're here, but you're not here, which is not good for you or us, either one. You're not helping yourself and you're not helping us. So there's really something that needs to change drastically. And let me ask you this today. You need to get back engaged in this house. Some of you used to be so involved in this place, giving, serving, praying, here all the time. But other priorities, let me say, that aren't important, have taken the place of the house of God. And somewhere along the lines, you thought that disengaging from this would be better for your life. I want to encourage you today to get back involved, to re-engage in what God is doing. Not just for this house, but for your own life, because you're going to miss out on something really good. I was thinking about this, and you know what? It will be fun in the future when you come into a region-changing church, but I think it will be more fun if you help build one. 
you guys got picked. You're here today. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity that God put in front of you. You say, well, we're not there yet. That's why he sent all of us here, to build one. And so, yeah, it'll be fun down the road when, you know, people and money and finances and God's doing all these things and revival. But how much more to say that, hey, I was here in the beginning and I helped build this thing to where it is today. So I'm asking, do you want to build a snowman? No, no, okay, not that. Sorry. I have a little girl and we watch that too much. I'm asking you, do you want to build a local church? Not a snowman. Sorry. Sorry. I watch way too much girl shows. A lot of girl shows. Sophia the First, Frozen, just a lot of, okay, I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm asking you today, do you want to build a region-changing church? I'm asking you if you want to give your life to build something that's going to outlast you. You realize in light of eternity, which a lot of times we don't think of it because we're not there yet. In light of eternity, the only thing that's going to matter is what's done for Christ in this church. Nothing else. Your sports team that you're on will not matter. Your good grades in school will not matter. Now, still good, good grades, Corey. Okay. Your hobbies, your interests, your movies, anything else that you put as a priority, your career and other things are going to fade away. And the only thing that will be left is what's done for Christ in this church. Now, I realize we're here right now, so we don't think about eternity. But in eternity, that's all that will matter. And we need to live lives that reflect that choice. So I'm asking you to help build something that will outlast you, that will affect your children and your grandchildren. Will it be worth it if thousands of people get saved because you chose to build this? And today I'm not saying it will be easy because it won't. Churches that affect regions work. Churches that affect regions sacrifice. Churches that affect regions. Now, now, if we don't want to do any of that, we can stay right here. And it won't be much work. It'll just it'll be okay. We'll just maintain. So I don't want to make you think it's going to be easy. It's not. It's going to be work. It's going to be sacrifice. It's going to be your time. It's going to be your talent. It's going to be your treasure. It's going to take everything you have, but it's going to be worth it. To make that decision. Because in eternity, God is not going to just ask me. He's going to ask all of us, what did you do? I gave this opportunity to you. What did you do with it? It's going to be worth it. And realize that when you have a calling to be a city changing, a region changing church, that the enemy will send pressure to stop that. So guess what? There's going to be pressure from the outside to not be that kind of church. But it's going to be worth it. So are you willing to help build his church? Realize Jesus is only building one thing on the planet, and that's the local church. The hope of the world is the local church. 
the answer to the world's needs is the local church. You're saying, well, it's Jesus. Yes, it is Jesus. Jesus is working through his church. He is the head and we are the body. So if it's going to get done, guess what? The church is going to have to do it. Are you still hearing me this morning? So are you willing to work and sacrifice and give your time? Give your money? It's not going to be easy. But it's going to be worth it. Think about the future generations you'll affect. Let's, not, let's stop thinking about you. Let's start thinking about your children and your grandchildren. Let's start thinking about the people that don't know God yet. Let's start thinking about people that are outsiders. People that you know and I know need God. Start thinking about those people. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Three things I want to share with you before we close. There's three practical things you can do to build this church. Now, I know a lot of you already do these things, but maybe you could check your heart. Maybe you've kind of lacked in some of these areas. Maybe you have, like I said, you're still kind of here, still kind of doing stuff, but you disengaged years ago. First of all, you need to pray. I tell you what, we could change everything you could think of, but if we don't pray, nothing will happen. We could have the best of everything that you could ever imagine as a church, but if we don't pray, then the Spirit of God will not move in this place. A praying church is a powerful church. And let me ask you to pray for the leaders of this church. Let me ask you to pray for lost and broken people coming to this house. Let me ask you to pray out the prophecies that have been given to us, spoken by men and women of God who legitimately hear from God. Number two, let me ask you to give. You're saying, well, the gospel's free, but it takes money to get it to people. And I'm asking you to give, not so I can get a raise. <laughs> I don't deserve one at the moment. <laughs> I'm not asking for a vacation. I'm asking you to give so we can do more for others. I'm asking you to give so we can improve things around here. I'm asking you to give because, guess what? It does cost money to reach people. It costs money to buy Bibles. It costs money to have curriculum. It costs money to feed people. It costs money to clothe people. It costs money to help others in need. It costs money for these facilities. It costs money for the seats you're sitting in. It costs money for this brand new sound system. It costs money for everything in this planet. And how many know the church should have the best? And so I'm asking you to give not so... We can use it for selfish reasons, but we can use it to reach people and help people because even with the money, that's our focus. Growth and salvation. So whatever we got to do to spend money on growth and salvations, we're going to do it. That's the priority. And lastly, I'm going to ask you to serve.
in Acts 6, and, and I'm not going to read the, the whole chapter here, but in Acts 6, they told a story about they needed some help in the ministry helps. Now, it was, they were handing out Chick-fil-A sandwiches at a youth event. That's what it was. That's a message translation. Um, and they needed some people to get involved in the ministry helps. And so they chose these men who were full of prayer, full of the word of God, honorable people to get involved. And when people started serving in the church, it says the church grew rapidly. Now let's read Acts 6 and verse 6. It says, Whom they set before the apostles, and when they prayed, they had laid hands on them. And verse 7, And then the word of God spread, because six people got involved in ministry helps. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Why? Because a couple dudes got involved in the ministry of helps. That's how important it was for the church to move forward and reach people. You're seeing, well, how does this connect? It's supernatural. A couple guys joined the ministry of helps and it says the church multiplied greatly because those people got in the position that they needed to be in in the church. So I'm going to ask you to serve. I'm going to ask you to serve in the ministry of helps here. And we've been looking about that, and we're going to make it easier for people to get involved in the future, and we're going to make it better for people to get involved in the future. But you need to serve somewhere. And notice, if you're serving right now and your attitude stinks, change it. Three months into this pastor thing, I'm just talking crazy talk on a Sunday morning. If your attitude stinks, change it or step down. I love you, but we don't need people that, that attitude stinks right now. Or the better option would be, if my attitude stinks, change it right now. There's no reason to have a bad attitude about it. If you've been given a half effort in your serving, whatever department that is, I'm going to ask you to give 110%. Stop coming tired. Stop, stop coming wore out. Stop coming with a frown on your face. Go get a coffee, for goodness sakes. Get a Red Bull. Do something. Can't you do something? Okay, you had a long day at work. You can chug a coffee, can't you? Can you? You can chug a coffee, and all things will become new. Just like that. Man, I just had a long week. Okay, most people have. Chug a Red Bull. You'll be all right. Your heart might be beating out of your chest for two hours, but that will be the best ministry of helps we have ever had. In my opinion, in my idea, if I'm going to give anybody my best during the week, it's going to be the house of God. God bless your job. Yeah, you give your best to your job. Yeah, give your best to your family. But if I'm going to give my best to anybody all week long, whatever it takes, I'm going to give my best in the house of God. And trust me, Lord knows this. If I'm tired, if I'm worn out, I'm not saying I'm not going. Guess what? We're going to get some vitamin C water. 
wicked chug of coffee or something, and I'm going to bring my best to the house of God, whatever it takes, whether I'm tired or not, because God's worth it, and people are worth it, and the plan of God is worth it. That's why we're going to do it. Am I too honest this morning? (laughs) So I'm going to ask you to serve, and guess what? More is going to be required in the future. More sacrifice, more work, because it takes work to reach people. There's probably going to be more opportunities to work and sacrifice. Notice, not necessarily at church times, but during the week we might need help on projects. We might need uh, people to go do things for us, to pray for people, to write notes to people. Are you willing to sacrifice for the future? Someone asked you today, are you willing to build that kind of church? I know I threw a lot of things at you. Some of you that have been hearing me since September are like, yeah, this is awesome. Some of you that are just like, whoa. A lot to take in right now. But I got to be honest at where we're at and where we're going. I got to be honest and say, this is a vision worth believing in. This is a future worth believing in. This is something to give your life for. That it will affect more than just you. It will affect your family, your children, your grandchildren, your community, your neighbors, this region. And imagine when we get to heaven and God rewards us. He's not going to just give something to me or or Dr. Jacobs. He's not going to give something to just the staff. He's going to give something to all of us because we did this together. Let me ask the team if you guys could come back up here. We're going to worship in a moment. So hopefully you heard my heart today. Hopefully I explained myself well, well enough about where we're going and where we're headed. Listen, I believe in this church and Dr. Jacobs and, and my mom, they believe in this place. We've had a great foundation for 30 years. We've had great things happen for the past 30 years. But now we got to build on it. We got to move forward. We got to move with the Spirit of God. If God says move and something's dried up, guess what? We got to move or we're going to die. So I just want to humbly ask you today not out of being forced to do anything but out of your heart. We're going to sing this song in a moment, and we're going to worship together. And I want to work us to worship together with everything we have. Like I said, if you've been disengaged, it's time to get back engaged. If you've stopped praying, now's the time to start praying. If you've stopped giving, now's the time to start giving again. If you got out of serving in the house of God because your attitude wasn't right, or you thought it would take up too much time, now's the time to serve. You should feel an urgency. I don't know if you've seen the world lately, but we don't have like a lot of time.
the world's in a bad shape. The world's getting darker and darker. That means the church has got to get brighter and brighter. This is not a day to play games with God. It's not a day to be in and out. It's a day to live for something that's bigger than yourself. And we got to have people that say, I'm 100% all in, whatever it takes. Whether I got to clean toilets, whether I got to be up here during the week, whether I got to give extravagantly and I got to serve and pray. And nights when I need sleep and God tells me to pray, I'm going to pray anyways. We got to have a church that's all in. That's the only way it will work. If it's just me and a couple people, it won't work. It has to be a whole church that says, you know what? This is a vision worth believing in. This is a vision worth getting behind. And yeah, I've helped build it up to this point, but I want to build it in the future.